to Hanging in the Nest with your host, Josh DeHawk Alonzo and Max the Turkey Rubenstein. We are back for another edition of Hanging in the Nest. The Hawk and the Turkey are here with you on Monday, ready to go for another sports week ahead. Baseball's back, Max. How are you feeling about that? That is huge. I love when baseball comes back. I was just talking to a few other people. This is the closest a Jewish person like myself can get to Christmas. I absolutely (laughs) love when baseball comes back. I don't know. I like I like hockey and I like football as well and basketball, but there's just a different field in the uh, MLB coming back, and I love it. I think this is an underrated time of year. As baseball is starting to kick off, hockey and basketball are heading to the playoffs. The NFL draft will be here soon, March Madness. It's actually a good time for sports. I think it's underrated because people think, well, if you're not a big hockey or basketball guy, maybe not into it. But as a sports fan, as we are a sports podcast, right, this is a big time of year. We have a lot to cover over the next couple of weeks. We're going to continue this week with some baseball previews. We're going to get into NL draft things as well. A lot to cover. Big time in sports, so we're ready to go. But before we get there, Max, hit us with a big bird fact. Of the I have a, quite a funny bird fact today. I okay. just find, like, as I'm looking at these things, there are some weird birds out there. And this Court. is no different. We're going to be talking today about the Bassin Thrush. Okay, this is a bird that finds food by farting. Yes, you heard me correctly, by farting. They eat worms, and what they do is they dislodge their prey from the piles of leaves by directing their farts at them. So the gas that comes out, it shifts all these little worms around, and when they move, it's easier for the birds to find them. So there you go. How about that uh, to start off the pod today? I'm speechless. Probably the most disgusting bird fact we've had thus far. Oh, without a doubt. But when I saw it, I was like, I can't pass that <laughs> up. I mean, think about all the people's lives if we would eat our food or get our food in a different way. I I don't want to get my food in that way. No. So, yeah. Wow. Well, let's get into news because that uh, I'm, I'm a little struck, a uh, little stuck on that. Wow. What a fact. What a fact. The News Corner. All right. Let's start. Big news story. The golf world. Tiger Woods. Terrible accident. Yes. The golf community responded on Sunday wearing the Tiger Woods look. Red shirt. Black pants. He finally tweeted out after, you know, there hasn't been a lot of words from him directly since this has happened. Love all the, the support that he got. He was super grateful for everyone's well wishes that he had. And to see the whole golf world kind of come out and say, you know what? This guy's an icon. He's one of the greatest golfers to ever play the game. Let's give him the respect he deserves as he's recovering from his injuries. We hope Tiger, of course, recovers and we get to see him back on a golf course sometime in the future. Yeah, I mean, they were talking about, you know, hoping to see him soon on the golf course. I think we're shifting it and let's hope 
you know, he can walk again. And, you know, I mean, right. people don't realize how serious this injury was. And I'll be honest, yep. you know, it's going to take it for whatever you want. The first thing I thought of when I heard about this is, was he drunk? Like, was there alcohol involved at all? Just seems right. to be the way it is, you know, in the sports world when things like this happen. Uh, thankfully, it was not the case. There's some reports yep. that he may have fallen asleep, you know, whatever it is. But the the part of the road that he, you know, had an accident on is very is a very windy road. It's known for a lot of accidents. And, you know, he was wearing his seatbelt and the person, you know, the investigators said, thank God he was because he probably would be would not be alive if he was not. Yeah. Wear your so. seatbelts. And yes, let's hope for a speedy recovery for Tiger and he, he can get out there walking again. So. Yeah, definitely happy, happy to see the golf community respond the way they did. Yeah. And it was cool to see all those people wearing that, uh, you know, the black and the red. It was kind of cool to see all them wearing that. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of, of black and red, by the way. Yes. Big news today. I want to thank J.J. Watt giving us a, a story for this week to kind of kick off the week. Mm-hmm. He is going to be signing with the Arizona Cardinals for a two year deal. Thirty one million dollars. I am stunned by this move. Are you? I think the Cardinals could use a player like J.J. Watt. But if you're J.J. Watt and you're in the twilight of your career, you're chasing a title. The Cardinals didn't even make the playoffs last year. Why the Cardinals, Max? Why do you think he made this move? Well, you know, let's not just remember, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was traded there as well. Maybe there's kind of like this love to love fest between them. But you have to also remember, maybe the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs, but they're a good team. You know, they're in a tough division with the Rams, 49ers with the Seahawks. Seahawks. So it's a tough division, but if you got a quarterback as young as Kyle Murray, you got a chance there. DeAndre Hopkins, like I said, is there, and he makes instantly a great combo on Arizona. Okay. They said the two, uh, the two top uh, pass rushers there in the league that get sacks was JJ Watt. And uh, what the heck's his name? And do you know the other one in Arizona? I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Yes. Okay. And they make a great combo now, and I think that's going to be – it's interesting, but I do agree with you. It is an interesting move. Yeah, definitely an interesting move. We'll see how that pays out for him. Uh, uh, yeah, pays off for him. Solid money. I think it's $23 million guaranteed yep. over the two years. So that's great. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. What other NFL news do you got for us, Max? So, I don't have too much. It was like it was like a little bit of a quiet week all around. Alex yep. Smith, uh, has, there was a report that came out to him – and the Washington football team are moving on. So it's going to be interesting to see where Alex Smith goes. But, you know, we've talked about it. One of our big teams, a lot of teams need a quarterback. Alex Smith showed he's healthy. He still is able to play the game. So we'll see where he goes uh, moving forward. Besides yeah. that, yeah, keep going. Yeah, he's definitely a talented guy. I think he'll be an asset some team potentially as – you know, maybe a competition for a young guy or, or a mentor for someone like that. So I really think he has an opportunity to maybe compete out there. He'll have some competition, though, as there's a lot of QB movement going on. So we'll yeah. curious to see where he ends up. Uh, the other big news that I saw was the Texans released Duke Johnson. Uh, yes. so I think that's going to be very interesting to see where he goes. I don't know if he's got a starting job in him, but, you know, with the way that running backs are used, He's definitely a complimentary piece to me, Max. Um, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of RBs that are out there, so I'm very curious to see what happens there. Um, so we have Dez wants to keep playing. So we'll see if anybody wants to give him a contract. 
Hollywood Brown, I don't know if you saw this, but Hollywood Brown is thinking about possibly exploring his trade options uh, moving on from the Ravens. So what do you think about wow. that one? You think, you know, like you said, a lot of teams could need a wide receiver. I'm surprised he wants out. I mean, that's a hard offense to play in with Lamar Jackson and the way the team is structured. It's not going to be focused on someone like him, but he's also very small. He's quick. I don't know. Okay. I think he could be an asset anywhere he goes, but I'm, I'm not really sure a good spot for him right right at this moment. And then the last thing – The big thing I saw – I was going to say the last thing, I think we're talking about the same thing, um, is Mel Kuyper released his, I guess, first mock or the first round of what he thinks uh, – the draft will be second, second mock. Second mock, yeah. Uh, so, Josh, what do you uh, what do you think? First off, I've never been a big fan of Mel Kuyper's mock drafts. I don't think he's great at it. I think his analysis is fine, but he's just not the top guy out there in my mind. This proves that even more. Why would the Jets trade back? Which I get trading back, but trade back and then get a tight end at number four. Yeah. Kyle Pitts is super talented. There's so much that the Jets need. Picking up Kyle Pitts as like a foundation piece, what? So Darnold is all of a sudden going to be better with Kyle Pitts added. You still don't have a top-tier receiver, which I would probably try to grab someone like that instead. Yeah. Right? Jamar Chase, he has going to the Eagles at six. I'd much rather have him than Kyle Pitts. Again, I like Kyle Pitts. I think he's a good tight end. But when you need so many other pieces, I don't know if tight end is the place to start. So I struggle with that. Yeah. The other thing I see with his mock drafts is a lot of QBs going. I get it. There's upside to some of these guys. Is it the right move? I just don't know. I really struggle with what we've seen, you know, over the last so many years, the amount of quarterbacks that have been taken in the first round that have not panned out is massive. So for every Mahomes out there, which, Wait, there are no people like that, right? Okay, so for the Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in the world, right, that are the top tier, the rest of the first rounds don't work out that way. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, both just got traded. You have to look back and say to yourself, okay, guys like Johnny Manziel bombed out, right? He's playing with Josh Gordon, by the way, in that friends league. So they're teaming back up, right? So you have, for every time you could find a top tier guy, right, there's, Four more that are not. So there's a lot of risk involved here. I agree if someone like the team like the Jets want to trade back or teams want to trade back to get more assets, all for it. Four or five quarterbacks going within the first uh, 10, 11 picks of this draft. It's just not going to work out for some of these teams. It's just never the, – the odds are against them based off of what we've seen in the past. Yeah, I totally agree. As a Jets fan, very surprised. Um, again, not that they traded it, but the fact that they would only go back a couple picks and then pick up a tight end. In my life, I don't think I've ever seen a successful first-year, first-round tight end. Those are very few and far between. You know, thinking about fantasy football, all these rookie tight ends in general need at least a year before they can actually start coming of age. You know, they talked – there was so much talk about all these tight ends. Um, TJ Hawkinson was horrible his first year. He's maybe getting better, but, again, it just shows – especially tight ends. I mean, I, I don't know what the, the play is there at all. So, uh, yeah, all right. let's move on. Let's do a little bit of baseball. We talked about baseball is back. And like I said, we could not be happier. Biggest thing I want to start off with, uh, let's talk about a good feel-good story. Trey Mancini coming back, dealt with cancer last year, 
He played yesterday. I think his first game was not only did he get a standing ovation, but he got a hit. Looks great. Yep. I mean, that's just a great story right there. Super happy for him and the Baltimore organization. Just a great story. And hopefully he stays healthy and is able to, you know, play the whole season without any problems. Yeah. The other big thing out of baseball, I saw Hunter Dozier. Congratulations to him as he signs a nice four-year deal. I think it's worth $28 million is what I saw. Yeah, 25 I think. But, yeah, around there, four years. Oh, 25 Four 25, years, $25 yeah. million. We talked about him a little bit. I think the Royals are going to be pretty good this year. I think the Royals will make some noise. Are they a playoff team? I'm not sure they make it that far. But I think they're going to be in the mix enough. 500S team, close to one of those final playoff spots. For me, it's their pitching. I think their offense is going to be fun to watch. But the pitching is like a big question mark, and that's going to be the issue in my mind. But, yeah, huge move for Hunter Dozier. Um, other moves, you know, just some of these little quick moves that people make at the end of uh, the beginning of spring training. Julio Turan goes to the Tigers. Uh, Clippard, uh, what's it, Tyler Clippard, um, goes to the D-backs. Scott Kazmir to the Giants. And I think one of the biggest things is it's coming up again. The hype has never left him. Vlad Guerrero Jr., you hear in that report, best shape of his life. He has been off to a rough start in his baseball career, but he looks really, really good, I have to say. So we'll see if that helps him uh, this year. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on. What do you got for NBA? NBA, just a couple of quick hitters here. Victor Oladipo turns down a two-year deal worth $45 million. He's looking for a longer-term deal. The Lakers beat up the Warriors last night, so no Anthony Davis. LeBron James really should be and is the front runner for the MVP in my mind. He's played out of his mind, not missing games. He's just out there doing his thing. So good for LeBron at his you know, advanced age when it comes to an, an NBA season. The Knicks, yes, the Knicks are over 500 and are in the thick of things in the playoff hunt. So for us Knicks fans out there, it's finally, fine. have an opportunity to root for this team. It's been way too many years for them to be in the situation that they're in. It's just nice to see the Knicks playing well. I mean, they're not great, but they're playing well enough that they're in the hunt. So that's all that matters to me. Yeah, that's uh, pretty good. A lot of buzz going around the garden these uh, these days, you know, with letting fans in, no less. Uh, people are uh, they're showing still, still charging millions yeah. for, for those tickets. I, you, can, you can't go to the garden and not pay a fortune. So even if the team stinks, they cost ways too much to go to the game. Welcome to New York, you know? Yep. All right, last bit of news. Let's shift to the NHL. Really big thing that I want to talk about are the Sabres. The Sabres right now are a mess. They have lost two defensemen. Jake McCabe out for the season. William Borgen is out for at least two months. And their starting goalie, uh, Linus Yulmark, is out for about a month, maybe a little bit more dealing with leg injuries. Actually, all three of those guys have leg injuries going on. The last bit of news is Jack Eichel, their star, their captain. Here's the report that I'm hearing. He is day-to-day with uh, a little bit of a upper body injury, but apparently that is not the reason why he was out last game. There's a lot of talk going on. He wants to be traded, so we'll see what goes on there. And Jeff Skinner, their $9 million winger, has been a healthy scratch. So there's just a lot of problems going on in the Buffalo Sabres organization right now. They've been rebuilding for the last, like, six years. Uh, so it just doesn't look good there. 
Other bit of news I wanted to bring up was the Canadians fired their coach, Claude Julien, and they have decided to hire Dominique Ducharne. Uh, Julien is leaving after four years with a little bit of a winning record, but he's missed the playoffs two years, and the other two years they got eliminated in the first round. So not a lot of success there. And the last bit of news from the NHL, another good story. Henrik Lundqvist was back on the ice after having heart surgery the last uh, I think it happened in December. So he had heart surgery, doesn't know anything about his future yet, but it just looks good that he's back on the ice, playing, feels healthy, and, you know, hopefully uh, we can see him in a game. Yeah, fingers crossed for him, for sure. Behind the Line. All right. Let's move on. Let's get into our picks of the week here. Waiver wire pickups. So I'll start with the NBA. I posted this out there earlier today for people for the bets. Jazz minus six and a half. The under of the Magic Mavericks game. Minus four and a half for the Sixers. So that's my three-team parlay. I've been trying to keep it more to a three-game bet versus four or five. Right, That's when it gets a little more risky. As we get more consistent with the three games, we'll try to increase it to four and then go to five. So I'm trying to start a little small. Let's build up that bank a little bit, and we'll go from there. Really like the Sixers in general, by the way. I think they're playing great. Joel Embiid, another MVP-type candidate. Guys I'm looking at this week, going with a couple guys with the last name or with the junior in their name. So we're starting off with Derek Jones Jr. out in Portland. C.J. McCollum out. Justin Nerfick out. This kid is averaging 11.4 points, 6.1 rebounds, two blocks, and a triple a game. Looking really good. Go pick him up. Dennis Smith Jr. A lot of people have think this kid's career is not going to pan out. Went from Dallas to New York. Really didn't do much. In three games in Detroit, 14 points, 4.7 assists, 2.3 rebounds, 1.3 steals, and a block. Solid over the last three. He is getting playing time. So Detroit, terrible team right now trying out young players. Dennis Jr. should get the opportunity to look out for him. And then finally, not a junior in this case, but uh, Malik Monk, just been on fire, had a huge game the other night, 24.7 points a game, 4.7 triples, 4.3 rebounds a game. Good with Devontae Graham out. When Graham comes back, I am a little worried about his playing time, but considering this is a weekly pickup, Monk, good pickup for this week. Just look out for when Graham comes back if he's on your roster. Okay. I mean, you've been hitting the uh, some of those parlays and some of those players, so you're kind of riding a good train right now, so keep it going. Keeping it going. Keeping it going. What do you got for well, hockey backs? I just want to recap my weekend. I sent out a, uh, I sent out a tweet on Friday talking about Friday games, Saturday games, and Sunday games, three each, and I was two and one in every single bet. Very upsetting. Missed out the parlay, but I am getting close. So I got a two for parlay for you guys today. I have a Mondays and I have a Wednesdays as well. So the good thing is all these games that I picked today are late games. Nothing starts before 10 o'clock. So you still have time to get that bet in if you like it. So I'm going Toronto and Edmonton, the over. Um, on They played Saturday and they were held scoreless. Um, the I'm sorry, Edmonton was held scoreless. Toronto won 3 nothing. It is very hard to shut the Oilers down two games in a row. The Oilers are top five in scoring. I don't see that happening again. 
So give me the over in Toronto and Edmonton. The other two games I have are the Blues minus 1.5. They are 7-2 and two on the road. They go to Anaheim tonight. They score three goals a game. They shoot the puck a ton. And the Ducks are flat out terrible. The Ducks are on a six-game losing streak. They are 3-5-3 three, and three at home, which is horrible for wow. a home team. That's where you're supposed to win, and they do not do that. Yep. They score 1.95 goals a game, and that is downright awful. It is last in the league. So give me the Blues negative or minus 1.5. And then the last one, I have Colorado and San Jose hitting the over. San Jose has been over the last three games by scoring 10 goals in those three games as well. Colorado and San Jose scored six goals each in their last game. So now they're meeting each other, and that's going to be very interesting. Uh, So, yeah, give me the over there. So just to recap, Toronto, Edmonton over, Blues minus 1.5, and Colorado, San Jose over. Now, for Wednesday, I hope you were listening because those exact three teams play each other again on Wednesday and give me the exact same bet. So if if you miss that on Monday, fear not. Thank goodness for COVID. I don't think I'm ever going to say that again. But they all, because of the weird NHL schedule, they all play each other again on Wednesday. And all three of those games give me the exact same thing. So I'm giving... let me ask you this, Mac. If it misses on Monday, do you still feel confident if about it, it on Wednesday? If it misses on Monday, you should double your money because there is no way it's not going to happen on Wednesday. Wow. If you don't win one of them, no, I would be shocked. Now, granted, okay. there's a chance well, we were, that this doesn't happen because my luck, my luck for parlays are not great, but I'm pretty confident in it. Let me move over to my pickups. You had a theme. Here's my theme. Let's go former and current Rangers. So, first one, former okay. Ranger Matt Zuccarello coming back from injury on Minnesota, the right winger. He is on a six-game point streak and over the last two weeks has 11 points with three goals and eight assists. He just came back from injury on February 16th, had no points in that game, but since, he's had the 11. Okay, so this guy is hot right now. Current Ranger, Chris Kreider, had a hat-trick last week. Add that to his last two weeks, five goals, two assists for seven points. He is getting hot at the right time. He is scoring like crazy. And then the last one, not a Ranger, not a former Ranger. This is Drake Batherson on Ottawa, and I don't talk about Ottawa often because they are not a very good team. But Drake Batherson, a right winger, has a goal in five straight games. Six goals overall in the last two weeks, nine points total. This guy is hot, and it should just keep going. He is starting to increase his minutes. He started on the third line. He was on the second line, and now he's been going back and forth between the first and the second. Pick this guy up. He is on fire. So those are my pickups and parlays for hockey. Court is in session. So let's get back into the MLB preview. Last week, you'll remember we talked about catchers, first baseman, and second baseman. For me personally, I was talking up how you want to go early with the second baseman. I thought you could wait on catcher and first baseman a little bit more. You're going to notice a similar theme, at least from my set, where shortstop, there are some elite shortstops we're going to be talking about. You can get your hands on one. I'm all for it. Third base, I think 
more of a question mark. I think there's a lot of talented guys, but I think there's question marks surrounding some of them. And there's some decent guys you could try to get later. The third category we're talking about today is relief pitching. Always a crapshoot. A lot of people debate is should it even be a key category in fantasy baseball leagues? Some people like the idea of saves and holds, and that way it opens up the broader spectrum of relief pitching. We'll talk about that. But, Max, where would you like to start today? Third or short? We'll go pitching I would last. like to do shortstop because this is probably right. one of the deepest positions in baseball. But after those 12, everybody can get one good shortstop. But after those 12, the cliff falls off really quick. So if, you're, if you draft yeah. well, you can definitely get one. But these guys are good that people will be drafting two of them on their team. So you got to get one of them before it kind of dries up because it really dries up fast. Yeah, I don't disagree. I would add that I think there are four guys, maybe five, depending on who, what you're looking at, that I really like that are like a cream of the crop. And that, yes, there are other guys in that top 12, but I think it also comes with down to your total strategy, right? We'll talk about some of this in a second, but I look at guys like based off ADP, where Glaber Torres and Javier Baez are going, good shortstops. Both have been a little inconsistent with certain categories. There are also very good pitchers going at the same time they go. So it's a tough decision to make. So if you take a shortstop early, do you go through that ace? Or do you go elite shortstop and then do you switch and say, okay, do I get that second tier shortstop, which is still in the top 12, or do I get that other good, but maybe not elite pitcher? So there's a balance to play there. And I think it's tough. I really think it's a tough way to kind of look at this. For me though, Max, Fernando Tatis is the top shortstop on the board. If you can get him right now, his ADP is three. I would be comfortable basically taking him regardless of where you're picking. If he if he's there for you, even at one, I think you could make an argument. I think to take that's Tatis. fair. Like we did talk about it last time or the week be, or the week before, 143 games under his belt. That's it. But I do agree. Yep. He looks great. So they have a great lineup there. Just a lot of protection. We'll, we'll talk about third base, obviously, right after this. But Manny Machado mm-hmm. is there. Eric Hosmer is a solid player. They have good catchers. Good outfielder and Tony Pham. There's a lot to like about the Padres organization right now. Love Tatis. Who do you have second on? So your I list went back stats? and forth. I'm not. I'm going. I don't know. Again, it depends on what you looked at, but I maybe am going against the grain. I am giving you Trevor Story before Trey Turner. Now I think you could flip him, flip okay. him back and forth, but Trevor Story gives a good combo of power and speed. And yes, he plays in Colorado which always helps the player. Not only that, Trevor Story's in a contract year. He's going to be drafted in the first round. You know, I, I looked at it. I tried to go back and forth. But, yes, I'm picking Trevor Story, and that's what I'm doing. Give me Trevor Story. Over. Yeah, I think you can go either way there. I like Trey Turner there as well. I have no issue yeah. with either guy. Trevor Story's a five-category guy. I think the difference with Trey Turner, if I really look at the two of them, I think Story's going to give you a bit more power where Turner's going to give you yes. a bit more speed. So it really depends on how you want to structure your team and those players. But both of those players plus Tatis, if you're in a 12-team league, are going in the first round. So three short shots within the first round yeah. without thinking about it. I think that's 100% agree. One. I, I don't see four. I know people really like Francisco Lindor, and I have him as my fourth shortstop. I, do I don't well. know about you, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's worth the first no. 12. I think he's in the second round. 
but people could get nervous if they want one of these elite shortstops that are five category guys. You might jump in. I think the concern with Lindor that I would have, if anything, is it's a new league, so he's playing in the National League. It's a brand new team, and some people do crumble in New York. New York has a different pressure than other places. So I like Lindor. He's a phenomenal player. I think he's going to be great, but I wouldn't reach. You know, he is a second round talent in my mind, not a first rounder. Don't buy into. I have to take a shortstop. Get one of those top three guys. I think they're that elite. But if those three guys go up the board and you have another good player there, I don't I think agree. you have to reach on He's definitely a second rounder. I think he definitely will handle New York. I mean, this kid dyed his hair blue before he came to spring training. I mean, I know it doesn't yes, correlate to that. how you handle New York, but if he doesn't care what anybody thinks, sure, go, you know, dye your hair blue. But yeah, no, second round uh, talent. He had a little bit of a rough 2020, but. You know, as we're going into these, I did want to bring up, I'm not really taking much from 2020. And, you know, even though it was a bad year for some people, I'm also not taking guys who have had career years in 2020. It's 60 games. I mean, you could maybe be on a career uh, pace, which is great. But if you're going to say like, oh, his batting average was the best he's ever had. Yeah, but in 60 games, like, you know, come on. So, again. It was a different year. Yes, I agree with you completely. You have to be very careful with that. I think there are certain players where you might say, oh, they had they were good in 2019. They continued in yeah. 2020 as like an up and coming player. And you might lean on that guy. That's different. If they had a breakout year in 2020, I would caution depends on who the player is and what they really did the years prior. Okay, I'm with you there. What about a couple of sleepers, though, at shortstop, Max? You don't get one of these top so guys. Where, I have where do you one go? Really deep. And then I have a couple guys that maybe not, maybe will not be considered sleepers. But I have them below the, I think, top 12, I think we're talking about, or maybe just, you know, inside the top 12. The first one I'm going with Carlos Correa, which is tough to hear as a sleeper. He's had some injury issues. He doesn't really run as much as he used to, but he is also in a contract year. I think people are kind of, obviously, the Astros, you know, did that whole cheating scandal and everything like that. But they're not giving them the credit that they do deserve. The Astros are going to be a good team again. Carlos Correa has to have a good year for that to happen. So, yeah, give me Carlos Correa as one sleeper as well. I like him. He's at 123 right now at current ADP, so I have him as well. The other guy I have is Marcus Simeon. I have the same list. Wow. So, he went to Toronto. A couple things look at. Yes, he had a down year last year. The year prior, though, he was basically in the hunt for MVP. Had a great year. His numbers can be a bit inconsistent. So I'm not looking at 2019 as the true benchmark, but I'm not looking at 2020 either. If you're down in this range and you didn't have a shortstop yet, and you told me I can get Marcus Simeon on that Toronto team, which now has George Springer, it has a much more fit Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette. There's a lot of talent there as well, a team that is trying to make that next level push. Marcus Simeon at an ADP of 133 could be a steal in a draft if you don't get a shortstop. And I have one more. This one is a deep one. I don't want everybody to forget about Wander Franco of the Rays. He may not make the team, but it would not surprise me if very shortly after the season starts that he gets called up. Okay. He is still considered one of the best prospects in the game. He was the, one of the first ever prospects to get a hit. What is it called? A 80 grade hit tool. I mean, that's unheard of. He has more walks than strikeouts in the minor leagues, which is like, you never hear that anymore. People, it used to be the thing, like, right. if you strike out 100 times in a season, 
it's it's not good. Now people are striking out like 120, 130. This kid had more walks than strikeouts in the minor leagues. Okay, if he does get called up this year, run at him. Get him as fast as you can. My only last point here with shortstops is I would caution to something you said earlier, which I think does happen. People tend to go to shortstops sometimes at fear of risk or fear of talent. Be careful. I think as you get past the top six or seven guys, there's still talent there. But if you're looking for other positions, and I'll bring up pitching again, there are top-tier quality pitchers, maybe not the elite, the top ten, but the next tier. You need a lot of pitchers. There are other ways to fill out a roster, especially when you're locking maybe a utility spot or two utility spots. A shortstop could come in handy, but I would just caution, if you reach too high, you might end up being very thin at pitcher, and that might make things a bit difficult for you. So be careful there. It's an easy trap. I brought up guys like Torres and Baez. Both, I think, are very talented, but Lance Lynn, Carlos Carrasco, and Steven Strasburg, all three good quality pitchers are drafted in the same range as those two guys. So it's a tough decision to make. And you'll notice as you go through the draft, there are similarities towards where shortstops and pitchers are being drafted because it's two highly coveted positions. So be careful there. Good good advice there for our fellow listeners out there. Shifting to third base, the hot corner. Josh, I think this is very similar to shortstop. I, I have four names as my top. And then I do see a tad of a drop-off as well. But, Josh, where are you going at the top of third base? So I agree with you completely. I think third base for me is like first base, where there's a couple top-tier guys. There are guys that are in the middle that people really like, but I think you could wait if you don't get one of the top guys. The first guy I'm going with, though I think there's a question mark here, and I'll explain why, is Jose Ramirez. I I think he's your top third base. My concern with him, though, no Lindor, no Carlos Santana. There is some talented players there, but is the protection gone? Right. So now if you're the key guy, is he going to get more walks this year? Are people not going to really be pitching to him, which could hurt his home runs and RBI numbers? I think he'll be solid. But if he's going 10th overall right now, I think there is a risk just because I don't know how Cleveland's going to play. They lost a lot of players this year. They're not in a rebuild per se, but they're kind of in the middle. And that division, the White Sox are good. We've been talking about the Royals. The Twins are still talented. So it makes me a little nervous, but he's my top guy. I think he's the most talented, but there is yeah, a question I do mark agree. There. The lineup is definitely weaker than it's been, I think, for him. But he is a five-stack guy. He will do everything for you. He can get you 30 yeah. home runs. He can get you 25 steals. He can get you 100 RBIs and runs. I mean, he can get everything that you need a player to do. He had a horrible first half of 2019. But since then, including 2020, he has been nothing but great. I know it's a weak lineup, but he's going to bat right in the middle at the three-hole, and I think he'll be fine there. Yeah, his per, you know, like a full season, 162 current stats. 280 batting average, 30 home runs, and an OPS yeah. of 940. Can't, can't get him. Can't be mad about that it, in the first round. Happily, happily would take him. Can't no, teach I that, you know? take him in the first, at the end of the first round. End of the first round, yes. Like I said, I think there's – I'm calling out the question marks. I think it's valid. Number two, Manny Max, Machado. who's on your list? Talked about his uh, buddy, Fernando Tatis, yeah. but Manny Machado had a great 2020 as well. Again, like we were saying before, I know it's only 60 games, but his pace – 
was really good in those 60 games. Again, who knows what could happen, you know, when he plays the other 60, but his K rate was down. His walks rate was up. Okay. And the big thing for him that I saw was his ground ball rate went way down and his line drive rate went way up. And that led to his average. I mean, he had one of the highest averages in those 60 games. I don't think that's going to continue, but I think he's not going to disappoint you in that category either. Yeah, he's one of these guys where there's a history of him being good and talented enough where he had like a little slow start coming to the Padres. So this 60-game sample size, I like. like the, the trend I like better here because I know there's a history with someone like Manny Machado. So I agree. I think he's number two. I think when you get into three, four, and five, I think there's a lot of question marks of who's really supposed to be there. For me, it's Nolan Arenado at number three. What I find super interesting about this is he's going at an ADP of 28. So that's a third-round pick. This is a guy who was a top-five player two seasons ago, maybe even last season, depending on – I didn't really do a lot of drafts last year because of COVID, but the year before that for sure. If he can get back to any level of talent where he was – a first round caliber player and you're getting him in the third round, you have a steal in the making potentially here. I like St. Louis. I think it's a good fit for him. I think Paul Goldschmidt and him are going to be a nice tag team there. I like Arenado at three. I think there are some people that like Anthony Rendon a little bit better as the angels. He had a down year again, not looking at that in 20 angels have enough talent with trout and him there. I think, there could be an argument made for either guy. What do you like? So I actually have Anthony Rendon at three, but I do not have Arenado in my top four. I actually have Alex Bregman in the top four. Um, I'm like I said, I'm throwing out 2020 Mm. altogether. He did not have a great year. He was injured, but this is a guy that can put up easily 30 home runs, easily a hundred RBIs. He'll get you some steals. He's not going to, you know, be, you know, the fastest guy in the world. But he's also going to have a good average, like we talked about again with um, Carlos Correa. The Astros are going to be a good team. You know, people are kind of sleeping on them. You know, I don't even know if we talked about him at second base, but we didn't even bring up Alex uh, Jose Altuve, who, you know, maybe not the player he used to be in his prime, but this guy can still put up good numbers. You know, so don't sleep on any of the Astros at all. I do have Nolan Arenado, but I am very concerned about him. He would be in my next tier. I'm very concerned about Arenado going to St. Louis. We will actually see if Colorado made a big difference, uh, impact on him. Right. So I think this is kind of where I was getting at, though, with like the first baseman. So first baseman, we talked about Freddie Freeman and Cody Bellinger. And I thought there was a big drop off. I still think the same thing here. I think if you have Ramirez or Manny Machado, fine, get them. But after that, there are question marks here. I'm not confident in Alex Bregman after the whole cheating thing. I think I agree with you. There's talent there, but I'm not sure. I like Anthony Rendon, but again, solid player. Is he worth his current ADP versus some other players? Again, I'm not sure. And if you go into these sleepers and I look at some of the talent out there, there's some young, talented third basemen that might be worth it later in the draft. Who, uh, one of yeah, the top I know who guys. Because I have a bunch of top uh, young third basemen as well. So I want to see who you got. So in the first grouping I have is still in a decent range. They're not deep sleepers. I'm going to start with that group. The first one I have is, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. It's Eugene Suarez, the third baseman of the Cincinnati Reds. Okay. Tons of power. Had a terrible down year with bad average. But he has a 
the pop that you would want in that position. He's more of a career 270 hitter. Him hitting 30 home runs and 80 RBIs is an easy thing for someone like this to do with that lineup. You just had it again. We're not looking at 20. If you think 20 out, take 20 out of the situation, tons of talent. His ADP is anywhere from three to four rounds past Arenado, Rendon, and Bregman. I like him not as much maybe as those guys, but for his value for where they are, I'm okay with Suarez if you're at your starting yeah, third base. Yeah, I have him on my list. I think Suarez is going to be good. Uh, the Reds have a really good team. Uh, so I do think he can keep going. I mean, this guy honestly has the potential to hit 40 home runs. The average is definitely going to be questionable. Yep. You know, 270 might be generous. Sure. But if, if you're looking for power, might. this guy can definitely get it done. Um, in this same group that you're talking about, Suarez, I actually have Chris Bryant as well. Um, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on Chris Bryant. Another player, yep. rough 2020. But over the last four years, this is what he's averaging on 162-game pace, a 278 average, 29 yep. home runs, 112 runs, 86 uh, RBIs, and five steals. Okay? That's nothing to, uh, you know, no. And I think nothing that's pretty good that. for Chris Bryant as well. Another option, uh, you know, again, yeah. and you can get him late, which is a crazy thing. You can definitely make it happen there. Yeah, a couple other guys I really like kind of in the next grouping. So there's Yeoman Kata, who would be third base eligible there. I like him. Matt Chapman of the Oakland A's. Both good guys right around 100 for their ADP. Two guys that I like that are much later that are sleepers. I have Key, Brian Hayes. I, yep. I think I'm pronouncing that right. About 150 ADP, super young talent. He's going to hit for average. He has some pop. The Pirates have no one there. He's yep. going to get the playing time. So I like him a lot. The other guy to look out for, Austin Riley. There's been a lot of question marks. His average is not great, but his ADP is 221. I think he's got a good chance to be the starting third baseman. Tons of power. His velocity off the bat is insane. If he can get some of the strikeouts under control, I think he could be a sleeper. It's a risk for sure, but if you're going later into the draft, someone like Austin Riley could be a good late pickup to kind of stash on the bench that could come in okay. and make some noise. So for I do you. have a couple as well. I'm actually surprised because I remember you talking about him before and you didn't bring him up. Alec Baum of the Phillies, he hit 338 in his you know time last year. As a rookie, like that's that's great. He doesn't have a lot of power, but they do think that the power will come on as he starts playing. It's one of those things. Power is usually the one that comes on late, but this guy can flat out hit the ball. You know, easily good lineup, could have 290 written all over him, could be a really good source of average yep. uh, as well. The other name I wanted to bring up, Mike Moustakis. Say what you want about average. Maybe you're not looking for it, but this guy can hit home runs. Okay. He will get you 30 home runs and he won't even yep. think about it. He may hit 250, but he, you know, if you can bat like we're talking about, if you can balance out average for someone else, Mike Moustakis and his home runs will definitely help you. The other name, yeah. Yeah, I have moved listed as yeah. a second, and, but he you know, can do second or third base. He can actually yeah. play multiple positions as well. So that's always a good thing. If you get yes. a guy that can play multiple positions, it just makes your team deeper, and that's definitely a big thing to uh, have there as well. The last guy I wanted to bring up, we talked about him before. I just want to read you some Vladimir Guerrero stats. If you believe the hype, take a chance. You could—he's going way late uh, in drafts, 
But the negative, he hit the ball on the ground in 2019 49% of the time. That's horrible. In 2020, he hit the ball on the ground 54% of the time. But the positive thing that he has going for him is he has an exit velocity of 92.5. He hits the ball extremely, extremely hard. So if he can start lifting the ball a little bit, maybe it's this year with him losing weight, this could be the breakout year that people have been waiting for. So, you know, if you want to take the chance, believe in the hype, you can get him later on in the draft. So take a chance, see what happens. You know, maybe you can uh, pair him with another guy that a little bit is a little bit more safe and then kind of see what happens there. I like it. All right, so let's talk relief pitching around this out today. For me, the strategy with relief pitching is simple. Two things I think about. One, we like winning teams, right? A team like the Pirates is not going to win a lot of games. So even if they have opportunities for saves, it's not going to be a lot. The second thing I think about is if there's someone in your league that wants to take six relief pitchers because they think it's like a smart strategy, let them. It's not worth it for someone, in my mind, to go crazy about relief pitching. The likelihood of relievers changing in as a closer role changing throughout the season is extremely high for about half the teams. There are some elite guys, and we'll talk about them in a second. But after that, wouldn't worry about it. Go get a guy. Things are going to change. The key thing relief pitching is you need to stay on top of the waiver wire. Right? You really need to be on top of things to make this work for you. That being said, Max, taking my boy Josh Hader, number one, he is the closer. I know we talked about this again. You talk about teams, the Brewers are okay, but Josh Hader is not going to win you categories with just saves. This guy strikes out everybody in the entire world. He had a very strange year last year. He didn't give up a run in his first nine innings and then gave up four. And then he walked five guys in one game. And then not a single walk after that. So he had like his numbers were very inflated because obviously in a shortened year, relievers don't get many innings anyway. So in a shorter year, he didn't get much. So it really inflated a lot of his numbers. I'm totally fine with Josh Hader because again, you can rely on saves, but you're not going to lose if Josh Hader doesn't get you saves. This guy strikes out everybody. So yeah, give me Josh Hader. Uh, Josh, how do you feel about that? And then what's your number two? I like Josh Hader. I agree he's number one. For me, number two, I'm going Chapman. Uh, Give me the Yankees all day. Talk about a winning team, a guy who can throw over 100 miles per hour. He's had his moments, some volatility, but I just think it's the right move. For me, when I look at relievers beyond this, and I'll let you pick your number two in a second, um, I have a couple of guys that are in new places that I really like this year. So I have Chapman actually number three. Liam Hendricks um, over in Kansas City. Is I'm not sitting down in Kansas City in Chicago for the White Sox. Had a White great Sox. 2019, yep. was even better in 2020. Okay. He is on a new team, but the team is good. Okay. And I think that's, yeah, I, I figured. And there, again, we're going to talk about relievers. Yeah. It, it changes all the time. Like you said, there are so many relievers that, you know, won't start the year as a closer or will lose it in going into it. So it always changes. But Hendricks, I thought, was so good. His ERA was 175 off of 180 the previous year. So he's still good. His whip last year, again, I know it's short sample size, but his whip last year was 0.67. 
that's amazing for a lever in any stretch of innings. So I'm really happy with Hendricks. He broke out last year, or the previous year, I'm sorry. Um, I think he's good for 35 saves. I'll get you a good amount of Ks. And then, yeah, Chapman is great for the Yankees. You want those good teams uh, going there. Yeah, so he's one of those guys that's in a new place that I really like in the Hendricks. I also like Kirby Yates going to Toronto and Brad Hand going to Washington. Both these guys, super talented players on teams that are pushing themselves to be better. They had okay years last year in the shortened season. I really like Brad, um, Brad Hand and Kirby Yates on their new teams. I think it makes a lot of sense to talk about winning teams. The talent is there. Those are the next two guys I have on my list that I really Yeah, like. I don't really – after those top three, I kind of just looked at names that, you know, the next one on the list, I think, when the ranking I saw was uh, Edwin Diaz. I don't know if I trust it. So I kind of like your idea. If you don't get one of those – Yeah, I don't three, trust it. See what's out there in the middle rounds. There's a guy I really like on Cleveland, right. James uh, Karinchak. Okay, he walks a lot yep. of people, but he also strikes out almost half the batters he faces. Okay, his K um, his K rate last year was forty eight percent, so that's amazing when you're striking out. So if he can get his walks down, I think he's going to be great. And then Ryan Presley of the Astros, he had to fill in for Robert Ozuna last year, uh, and he was great as a closer. So I'm assuming he's going to be the closer this year. Good team, good uh, you know. So I think he's going to be fine. And then the last one, this is a bit of a sleeper. He signed late, but Trevor Rosen- Rosenthal on the Royals looks. Very good. Okay. So he's got some competition there, though. I think Wade Davis is also there yeah, now. Yeah, but like, I, I – So it does, look out for it. Camp. On, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, nothing is set in stone. But I was looking at Rosenthal. Right. He was on the Royals. He got traded to the Padres. He had seven saves with the Royals last year. And then when he went to the Padres, as a setup man or another, you know, bullpen arm, he was almost unhittable. Okay. So I'm very, you know, I think about the years past of Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal being so good. If he's healthy, if he gets the closer role, he could easily be a top five. And I will put my money on that one. I like that. I'm going to go the other way real quick and just three teams to look out for that I'm concerned about with their closers. I like the bullpen in L.A. I'm talking about the Dodgers here. Jensen has been a little shaky. His fastball has decreased. I know I talked about him in the bolt group bullpens that I liked. If he struggles at all, though, they have a ton of options in the Dodgers bullpen. So I would not reach on Kyle um, on Jensen. Another team we're looking at is the Rays. They are weird with their bullpen. There is a ton of talent in that bullpen, and whoever gets declared the closer, I think is fine to grab. But if he's shaky at all, you're going to have a competition there because there's four or five guys that could close on that team. The third team out there I have is Minnesota. So right now it's Taylor Rogers is the closer. Don't love him, and he's another guy who I think you could have, but I need you need to watch out for. I think he could easily, easily lose that job. So just a couple things to look out for. But the whole league, closers are tough. So I think this is the hardest thing to draft in, the, in my mind is closers, and that's why I don't think you should go crazy. Be smart. Pick closers on good teams if possible. So you don't go crazy and pick another up, strategy that you can do. And I kind of tried to play with it last year since it was a short year. Look for relievers who actually have starter eligibility and then look for the starters who have reliever eligibility as well. You can kind of get away with getting a little bit more in it, but also mm. 
Look for guys who maybe are just good, okay, that maybe don't get saves, who maybe could right. get saves later on. Okay, Seth Lugo, for example, he was great for the Mets all year, okay, and the previous year. He's maybe got a couple saves, but if anything were to happen, he could come in. I know he's hurt to start the year, but I'm just talking in previous. That's a guy you look at. Diego Castillo on Tampa Bay, you brought him up. He could be a closer, and he's great in general. Emilio Pagan, who's on the Padres, yep. another guy you can easily have in your team just because he gets you those stats. And Zach Britton, for example, on the Yankees. Not going to be a closer, but he's got a, he's a great arm. Okay, another person you could definitely have in there. Right. So be on the lookout. Closer is going to be tough. The top ten. We're doing top ten, everybody, and we're doing top ten sports movie quotes. Now, Max, I'll tell you, I might have cheated a little here with this one because my top three, which we'll talk about as we get into this, I feel like the whole movie could be quoted. So it's going to be kind of tough, but we'll get into this. Why don't we start, Max, with four through ten? Because I think we have some alignment in our top three, and we'll talk about those kind of separately. So why don't you give us, however you want to do, ten to four, Gotcha. All right. you got your top so for the it. first thing I'm going, number 10, I'm going with the Sandlot. Uh, in that movie, Babe Ruth gives him a quote. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole quote, but it's basically saying, what is it? It says heroes uh, in their heroes and legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. And I think that's just amazing. What a quote. You know, it really tells you, you know, things about it. Uh, number nine, have the Mighty Ducks classic movie. And in it, Coach Bombay talks about what a team is. And I'm not going to read the whole quote, but he talks about basically that it's something you have to earn. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's a great quote. Good feel, good moment. Number eight, have the replacements. We actually agreed on this one. Uh, the whole quote, because I do like it. I am going to read it. It's not very long. Um, the quote is basically saying, yep. I wish I could say something classy and inspirational, but that just wouldn't be our style. Pain heels, chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. I mean, come on. How great is that? Like, that's it's such Amen. a good quote. I mean, I know it yeah. was Keanu Reeves, but it's such a good quote. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I love Keanu, number so seven. Yep. I think this was easy. Jerry Maguire, show me the money. When Rod Tidwell says it to Jerry Maguire, I mean, that's just a great line. I mean, as I was looking at these things, I didn't even realize that Cuban Gooden Jr. got a uh, supporting role Academy Award for that. Like, and you could say this yep. that scene when he tells him that, showing the money for the first time. I mean, that's great over the phone. Uh, number six, a league of their own. There's no crying in baseball. I mean, that line is great. I'm like, we were talking about our list. I know you don't have it on yours, but what a great line. I mean, in just the moment that's happening. Uh, number five, I have Friday Night Lights. And in this one, there's a few that you could say, and we talked about it before. There's a bunch that you can do, but I'm actually picking uh, Ivory Christian in his team at halftime in that state championship game. He's a quiet man, nothing, you know, he doesn't talk a lot. And all of a sudden he just explodes and tries to pump his team up and get him ready for that second half. Talking about how, you know, acting like a bunch of babies and girls, they did two days, we did two days and all that stuff. I mean, it's such a good quote. And it really gets them pumped up and ready for that second half. Mm. And then number four, get your tissues out because this is a 
cry moment in Field of Dreams at the end when he goes up to his dad before he leaves and says, hey, dad, do you want to have a catch? I mean, come on. Have we not had that experience with our fathers that have said the same kind of thing? Gets me every time I ball like a baby. So that is my 10 through four. So great list. You know, for me, Field of Dreams. Um, I have Coach Carter on the outside. Those, I have, there's some good movies that I left out, but I think I went with what I really liked this time. So number 10 for me, I went Rocky, went boxing. The When he wins in Rocky 2 and yells out, yo, Adrian, I did it. I, talk about iconic scenes. Just love it. Number nine, I went with dodgeball. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. I think that is still one of the funniest lines out there. It's a comedy sports movie, but we got to throw something like that in. Number eight, I went with We Are Marshall. I'm going to read some of this uh, quote. This is a Matthew McConaughey. This is based off a true story where the Marshall team ended up dying in a tragic plane crash. This is him before a game, first home game after the crash, trying to get the team. And I'll read towards the end of the quote. He says, now we came here today to remember six young men, 69 others who will not be on the field with you today, but will be watching. You can bet your ass that they'll be gritting their teeth with every snap of the football. You understand me? How you play today from this moment on is how you'll be remembered. This is your opportunity to rise from these ashes and grab glory. We are. And then the team responds back, Marshall. It's such a great move, uh, a moment. They are literally at the graveside of the team members that passed away as he's giving them a speech to try to get them amped up to win this game. It gives me chills just thinking about it. Number seven, I went with Friday Night Lights, but I went a different way. Uh, I went with the coach, Coach Gaines, as he kind of gets them, basically says, if you can, you know, have joy in your heart, then you can be perfect. I think it's a great quote to kind of get them motivated for that game. So I have that at number seven. I also have Jerry Maguire uh, at number six, though. Show me the money. I have the replacements at number five. And number four, I put the Sandlot. I love that quote. I think I love the Sandlot as a movie. So I think that's why it's a little higher on the list for me. But that is my four through ten. So let's talk top three. We agreed on the top three movies. They're in slightly different order. But for me, number three, I have Remember the Titans. Number two is Any Given Sunday. And number one is Miracle. I think you I flipped I, Remember I the Titans and Any Given Sunday. Given Sunday three, if I'm not and then Remember the Titans, number two. And yes, of course, Miracle, huge hockey fan that I am. It, it will always be on my number one list. So let's save Miracle for just a second because I'm going to go on a rant about that. But so let's talk about the quotes for Remember the Titans Any Given Sunday. I assume Any Given yes, Sunday we're talking about the longest the quote I've ever seen in my entire life. But I really tried to figure out so what we don't need to like, read. Maybe I can cut a little <laughs> bit to see if I can read it. But I was like, the whole thing is good. But yes, it talks about, you know, like you said, it talks about the game of inches uh, and everything like that. I mean, he says, if you're willing to die, you know, who's going to win for that inch? You know, who's going to fight for that inch? So you know, it's just a great right. speech, a great quote in general. Right. I mean, I think it's one of the best moments Al Pacino has in, in movies. I mean, as such an iconic actor, but it's so good. And that movie and that culmination up to that point to give that speech, to try to get this team that was in a rut, that's been going through all these changes. Al Pacino probably knows that he's not going to be the coach anymore to rally these guys the way he did with that speech, basically telling them, like you said, you, you know, Living and dying is fighting for that inch. And I think it just motivates you. It 
I love that movie. So I think I put it just ahead of Remember the Titans. But Remember the Titans has a lot of quotes. So for me, Max, I think everyone always thinks of a handful of different quotes in that movie, right? The main one, of course, is the assistant coach basically telling them that they're not going to gain another yard, right? That defensive moment of like, we are going to shut this team down. We are not going to let the refs ruin this game for us. Through all the cultural diversity issues that they were going through, the refs were basically not going to let this team that had integrated white and black players do anything. And their coach stood up against it and said, we are going to stop them here and now. He says at the end of that, he goes, they will remember the night that they played the Titans. Like, Oh my God. I mean, thinking about that, literally, I just got to chill. Just saying that part. Yeah. And for me, I actually, there's also another quote earlier where the first game of the season, um, Denzel Washington's character basically tells them, you know, that they're like, they're going to be versing this team like all their schools. It's all white. He basically goes to Greek mythology and explains that the Titans were even greater than the gods and they ruled their universe absolute power. And tonight, our football field, that's our universe. So let's go rule it like Titans. And as a, a player that loves sports and being motivated, if I was gun ready for a game and our coach is telling us, like, this is how what Titans did, uh, this is like the idea behind the lore of a Titan, and that's what we're going to go do out in yeah. that football field, it just got me motivated. So, movie's phenomenal, yeah, it, it of course. Great, but like you said, we But agree. none of them. Miracle is phenomenal. I mean, it's great. There are so many quotes in this movie. The whole movie can be quoted. But the one I picked, and I think you might have even a different one than I do, but the one I picked literally was made into a video of a little kid doing the same speech. Okay. The ending speech at the end, before they're about to play the Soviet union team, when he talks about great moments are born from great opportunity. I don't even have to look at a paper. I know that quote so well. I mean, great. Right. I will tell you that. Yes, I, I agree. I think that is the quote of the movie. There are a bunch of others that I want to reference. Number one, when he's first picking team USA, right? His assistant coach says, you're leaving off some of the best players. He's like, I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right ones. I actually quoted that line in my buddy Miles's wedding speech when I gave it at his rehearsal dinner. Not to say, and I said this to him, that you're not the best guy. You are, but you're also the right guy, right? And I think people can think about that, that when you build a team, whether it's sports or even just in life, as you're building your friendships, you look for the right people to surround yourself with. And that's what Herb Brooks was looking for, his team. Another one I really love, too, is he really pushed a couple of his players he pushed his goalie, Jim Craig, who, if you watch the movie, know he sent out these psychology tests. Jim Craig said he didn't understand, you know, doesn't think filling out a test has anything to do with stopping the puck in the net. And I'm sure you agree with that, Max. Um, and later on, her book talks about how he wants to see the kid in the net that wouldn't take the test. And I just, I look at those kind of quotes, love it. And there is one more where the one player basically is hurt and says, do you want me to play on one leg? And Herb Brook yells back, I want you to be a hockey player. I mean, and again, it's he, just, it's Herb so good. Got, it's so yeah, good. In that, before that even happened, he says to him, you know, the leg is a long way from the heart, you pansy ass. Like that got him so pumped up. Like what an awesome yeah. line right there in general. Like, yes. you can put- Or even, you know, if you are a fan of that movie, he's asking these players, what team do they play for throughout this most in the movie? And after they go through this rough session after a, a terrible tie, you know, you have the cap- eventual captain of the team and, and someone that hits the game-winning shot, Michael Ruzioni, yell out that he's Michael Ruzioni and he plays for the United States of America. Um, as someone that's just a fan of sports, of our country, 
I still believe that them winning this game basically ended the Cold that, War that, for that's us. So, right there. No, that's 100% uh, give me right Team there. USA. 100% and give me Miracle. There is no – to me, I don't think there's a better sports movie than Miracle. And hockey isn't even my favorite sport. I love hockey, but there's nothing better than this movie. Herb Brooks may rest in peace. I hope the movie did him justice because I, I really feel like it did. Yeah, Kurt he Russell did a great job. I little, think there's so. one at the end. Either they say at the end or the beginning where they say he doesn't know the term dream team because teams hardly dream anymore or people hardly dream. It's something like that. And that's even another one you right. can throw in there is like a great quote. So much, so much in there. So Agreed. give me some miracle all day long. All right, Max. Another great show. We thank everybody for listening out there. We're going to have another big baseball preview of outfield and starting pitchers. We're going to start prepping as we get ready for March Madness. is right around the corner. Can't wait for that. NFL draft. As I said, we have so much to cover. There is no trivia question this week right now, but we will try to post something on Twitter. Get out there. Follow Hanging in the Nest on Twitter. You get all of our parlays early. We'll get the trivia question out to you this week as well. Thanks for listening. Later, everybody. Max, we'll talk to you soon.